Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Well, hey, welcome to another episode of Porch Talk. We're back at Monson Brothers Trading Post in downtown Columbus, Mississippi, and I got Bo Jeffries. He's recently started the music endeavor and uh i'm excited about what he has going on and bo is going to start this show out by sharing a song with us so brother take it away yeah thanks so much man yeah alan thanks for asking me to do it and i'm excited to uh be on uh in the line of a long line of very good singer songwriters that have come through and you've got an interview in recent days and uh shoot man i hold i can hope i can hold my my end of things up yeah this is uh i'll do this song it's i don't know it's a little bit of a sentimental song but uh i I have put it on the internet recently and uh, i'll do it and start it because uh it's about people dying and uh, this just recently the anniversary of a closest friend of ours passed and wow uh, and a little bit of this is is inspired uh just by his life and uh you know our relationship together so it's called that that place Under my feet, from sea to shining sea, I've known you for so long. I'm not your enemy, I need you just to breathe, but I know I made you grow. To stand in that place, it almost feels I'm Oh 
Man, last time we were here, we specifically were focusing just on Munson and Brothers, and I mean, just kind of like what Ryan said is, couldn't really do the episode without Bo and Dustin, <laughs> right? Because they are a big part of Munson and the Brother portion. Sure. Yeah. And so, I'm excited, man. Just kind of have a specific spotlight here on uh, you and your music. And mm-hmm. so, let's talk about a little bit about growing up. Where are you originally sure. from? Yeah, uh, well, I'm from Meridian. And uh, grew up there, graduated from Meridian High School in 1999. Uh, went down to Southern Miss, uh, okay. uh, studied music there for a little while under the world-famous fam- Giovanni DeChiaro, uh, <laughs> uh, who was this like five-foot-tall little guy, man, that looked that had this hair that was like that big. And he was this really positive guy. Yeah. And I didn't know how to read music. I didn't know how to do it. I just played guitar mm-hmm. from a young age. My father... My father came home with a nice ovation guitar one time, and it, and before then he he had played this Alvarez, and uh, which was hard to play and really big, and this ovation was really easy to play and really nice. Was it the ovation with the round? They all have that, yeah, the, the plastic. Uh, this was a and I posted one not too long ago on Instagram. Both these guitars, I think, but because uh, mm-hmm. I love gear, and, you know, any guitar player likes guitars. Yeah, I don't know anybody that's a guitar player. If there's a guitar player that doesn't like just guitars and the way they look, you know, like. Like Nigel Tuffman, you know, you just want to be able to hold them and cherish them. I just mm-hmm. feel like we all have a little bit of that in us. But uh, no, uh, I didn't know how to play. Mu- I didn't know how to read music. Mm-hmm. And but I was, uh, I, I, my father liked fingerstyle guitar, and taught me what he knew. So everybody likes what their parents like. Absolutely. And you kind of stuck with it for a period of time. At least. He wouldn't let me listen to Led Zeppelin, you know, but we could <laughs> listen to Dan Fogelberg, and so it's like. <laughs> So I learned a bunch of Dan Fogelberg uh, yeah. and and Cat Stevens and like Loggins and Messina and uh, he just liked that kind of singer songwriter thing a little bit, uh, but he also uh, subscribed to Fingerstyle Guitar Magazine and so tablature I could read tablature so I learned a bunch of tablature at pretty young age and so people were impressed that I could play these complete fingerstyle songs, but I was just at home wanting to try to play the guitar and that's and, what you had in front of you. And when you're junior high, man, you, if you want to do it, you got the time, you know. Yeah. And uh, so I did. And so that kind of was my meal ticket to get me into Southern. Had a scholarship to play. And John Deckyard was really positive because he's like, it's okay that you don't know how to read music. You know, we'll figure that all out. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I did all that, uh, at least for a while. But I, I quickly realized that, you know, I heard my show. I was going to play I played fraternity, play soccer, you know, do the things I want to do. I hurt my shoulder one time and John... You know, John comes in, he's, he's mortified. He's like, dude, you, you can never, ever play soccer again. Don't you understand? Like, you're going to become a classical guitar player. It's going to be your livelihood. And, like, you can't play soccer. And I was just like, I, I knew right then. I was like, what? there's something here that's not really ever going to connect because mm-hmm. I'm going to live my life, you know. And, and I get what he's saying. And it actually did teach me a lesson that if you put thousands and thousands of hours into fingers and hands and playing an instrument... That's you don't want to screw it up because you cut a steak wrong and cut your finger off. Right. Not. You know what I mean? Like, right. You know, so I learned that uh, from yeah. that experience. When but, you were uh, starting out with finger picking, did that old Alvarez that had nylon strings or were y'all steel strings? It was steel strings, man. It was hard. And uh, But my dad didn't ever play with a pick. So he just thought it was so much cooler to, you know, to finger pick and everything. He taught me one little finger pattern that I used with my three fingers. Mm-hmm. And uh, like I said, those Dan Fogelberg songs. I had some Jackson Brown, Dan Fogelberg uh, songbooks that he had because mm-hmm. he, you know, when he played. So I picked all that stuff up. Uh, and so that's how I started. I had to relearn playing with a pick when I bought an electric guitar, you know, at 17. 
yeah. Uh, I was, um, it was probably two years ago now, just in my guitar playing. I was trying to get to a new place. I had uh, been playing a bit of electric, fairly heavy, and was playing a lot of acoustic, and it was kind of the same thing that Sam Lewis had said on a few episodes back was when it was just me and I had a pick and I was playing acoustic, I didn't want that. Right. If I can play it with my fingers, I'm going to do that. Mm-hmm. And um, even when you were talking about going down the Southern Miss and learning to read music, while well, I was down at University of Mobile, um, the first year I was down there, I had a scholarship in the uh, the choir down there and was starting to do music theory. I didn't know theory. God, I mean, it, and, and I was, 8 o'clock I was, every morning? Yeah. Did they make you do it at 8 o'clock every morning? Yeah. God. Yeah, that was Theory 101 at 8. And then, like, at 9.30, you had labs where, you know, they would play the nut on the piano, and you had to be like... Oh, that's where you really... Yes. Yeah. yeah. And that's where I really knew that I wasn't going to get it. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was funny, man. I was uh, It was Dr. Hughes up there at University of Mobile, and we were sitting in his office, and it was a sight singing exam. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had struggled all semester. And it was the last one, and, like, he had just been giving me, like, a D. Just... Yeah. He felt bad for yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, it was the last one, dude. He gave me like four or five tries. He just looked at me. He said, "Are you going to continue music theory next semester?" <laughs> I said, uh, "I don't think so." <laughs> he said, "I think that's the right choice." Oh, he said, wow. And he wasn't trying to be mean. He yeah, was like, "I just don't think you're giving it enough time." Because he's like, "If you're going to be able to sight, do you have a piano at the house?" I said, "No." He's like, "What do you what do you use a like, guitar?" He's like. A piano would be a lot better. Can you spend a lot of time here on the university on these pianos? I was like, I work, man. Right. If I'm not, if I'm not here in class, I'm at work. Right, right, And right. he was like, you're going to have to do something yeah, or just get out just of the way. Yeah, up, right? Yeah. Well, and that's very tough, man. But maybe it's good. It, I mean, it was good. And I wanted to focus more on my major because music was a minor. Okay. okay. And um, it was fine. And through that, I got to meet a lot of great musicians in the program and got to see... Um, a lot of their progression and kind of how things work and some of them have fairly successful careers now and mm-hmm. still get to talk to them every now and then and so that was a great experience but sure um, I started out at DC Music down here uh-huh. I took three lessons with a cat and uh, it was learning to read music and I, was, I told my grandma I was like <laughs> no way uh, oh gosh man I just tabs man or if I play it by ear yeah and that's okay, and, 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 and it's the way it has to be for a lot of guitar players. Mostly guitar players are infamous for not knowing how to read music. Mm-hmm. But we have tablature, and we don't necessarily have to. I still, I don't read, I mean, don't put some sheet music in front of me today. Like, I mean, I could tell you the key and the time signature, and I could name the notes and uh, everything. And if I had to, like, figure out where they mm-hmm. were on the fretboard, I probably could. And if you gave me two weeks and paid me a lot of money, I'd probably learn a song in yeah. that. But, uh but no thanks, you know. Just give us chord sheets. Yeah, yeah, I'm good with that too, man. Cause I'm saying, well, I can I can read the music, but I don't want to sit here and cause I, I never could on a guitar like translating the notes to the guitar is like I don't know which G I want. Right. Yeah. I don't know which G it's talking about. Yeah. It's it takes a little creativity to figure out in the registers, and that's what classical guitar really was is, is discerning the fingerings, deciding the best fingerings for the piece and you, there were a lot of options mm-hmm. so what was it written you know what was he thinking when he wrote it and that's the way a lot of you picking out has to do I mean if you listen to a song now you might figure out it's G, C, and D but then you know they're playing different you know phrases yeah all kinds of stuff and, and how they're doing all that and 
there's a lot to it. But but see, picking out stuff is how guitar players learn for a long time, and you develop your ear better that way. Mm-hmm. And Stevie Ray Vaughan learned everything Jimi Hendrix ever did. Well, he did. He learned a lot when he was learning what Jimi Hendrix did. Yeah. He was learning how to figure out what people did and solve his own problems on the guitar. And man, that's the old-fashioned way. It's just I don't think a lot will replace that. But now they have like. Now you watch all these like twelve-year-olds that are virtuosos because I guess they grew up with guitar mm-hmm. uh, player or whatever the we and uh, what is it guitar the, the rock band all the stuff you know yeah what are you was it guitar a, hero yeah yeah guitar, guitar hero. hero and then you had that one where you could actually plug a real guitar in and it would like right. pull the fretboard up on the screen and it would it was legit too yeah because a lot of those songs they had like two black key songs on there mm-hmm. I knew how to play them for real <laughs> and like when I saw it on there I was like. They're legitimately teaching you how to yeah. play these songs. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and you didn't have that once upon a time. Mm-mm. But I wouldn't be able to write any songs right now without the technology. So, like, it, it's all, you know, it all makes sense. It all. Makes so, sense. after leaving Southern Miss, um, where did the music kind of go then? Did it kind of fall off, or was it always kind of yeah, there? Yeah, so the other part about me growing up is I played in a couple bands and started playing electric guitar at, at like, you know, when we could, just before we could drive. Like, our dad's took us to Mississippi State to play a gig at the Fiji House once. I mean, the Shelby County Fair, we played some stuff like that. And then I got in this Christian band, and we, we played a lot. We played around the Southeast a lot. Mm-hmm. We covered a bunch of stuff. We never wrote any... Well, we wrote two original songs once, which were so, so pathetic. Like, I just would never... Uh, but we didn't know what we were doing. And I knew those guys and was friends with those guys into college. And um, so we... That was what I did, and when I left Southern Miss, I went to Mississippi State to major in, and just take some basic classes, and I was going to go to Belmont and do music business, but I just never got there. I just <laughs> got to Mississippi State and never moved on, and I didn't really do anything with music after that. I, I mean, I, I, I had a one semester in business school, and then I went back to music education for a few more semesters I took under Michael Patilla. Uh, that's when I learned how or decided to sing I always sang in choirs and stuff but I never really would sing solo mm-hmm. but Linda Karen Smith the famous opera European opera Carmen uh, who went back to take care of her parents in Starville I think she still lives there she's a sweet lady she taught me how to sing she like forced me to breathe out of my stomach and and, and, and if you know Linda Karen she's just she's so great you, you, you it would be a wonderful interview because she, she sang the like the Met opera for 30 years or something that would be a good one she's she was the carmen for like she was famous in germany or wherever Mm -hmm. because she and she could she could break glass if she felt like it she's but she is a personality she's a chainsaw man she's great and she just wouldn't take it that i was going to be shy and i wasn't going to sing in front of people she's like you were going to sing it but nice voice you're going to do this stuff and she was another person that you know i didn't believe in myself but I needed to borrow some of her faith in me. Yeah. She believed in me. She was good to me. She was sweet. There was a lady named Martha Tisdale that was my my, my, my theory teacher at my 8 o'clock freshman class when I'm mm-hmm. pledging a fraternity and coming in at 9 with my pants, you know, unzipped and just don't know who I am. And, you know, when I say teen, and she, she would take me up after class, Martha Tisdale would a lot of times, and would take me and teach me everything again because mm-hmm. I was so behind in theory at Southern Miss. Like, yeah, I mean, it's crazy going in them classrooms with you know you're in a class of fifteen twenty people and they're all band students. Yeah, right. They yeah. they know it already, and so you're not mm-hmm. telling them anything, and you're kind of sitting there looking around. It's like, am I the only one? Yeah, you feel quite like the only one, uh, <laughs> and I did. Uh, but but Martha was cool. But there was a bit of a string of those those 
it wasn't like your your theory teacher, and I, and I, I hope it was a better experience than it sounded like it was. We, I had terrible sight singing things too, where it's just a train wreck, and everybody's just looking down at the ground, you know. But but John De Chiaro, Martha Tisdale, Linda Karen Smith, and and Michael Patilla all were uh, very very positive to me. So they because it didn't take much to break somebody. You just be like you know probably just like that guy. Hey, you don't know, man. Some, it hits you the wrong way quick. You know? Yeah, and you never get over. It, it came. It came off really well. That's, yeah, it sounded like it did. Yeah, yeah. but shoot, man. Like I don't know if I could have metabolized. Yeah, that I think it and 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 it did. I mean, my dreams did kind of cave anyway when I kind of got out of music school. I'm like, I don't really want to do that. It's just all the classical thing. Mm-hmm. It's not why I got into this to begin with. And I always just wanted to major in something I liked. But yeah. I ended up getting out, really not doing much music at all while I was at Mississippi State. Well, I say that the end of it, I started to play in like church stuff because that was when the worship, praise and worship thing was kind of taken off. Mm-hmm. And I, by then, I was playing and singing, and uh, I had a, a loose tie. I kind of kept a tie with church because my old youth minister guy named Lee Yancey always just kind of did it. Mm-hmm. He like just forced me like. You need to come back, and take the summer job, stay out of trouble. You know, it's like he's, yeah. he's like, and uh, so I always kind of kept this tie, and and uh, I had done a lot with FCA when I was in high school, and so uh, ended up getting back involved at FCA in my latter years of college at Mississippi State, and that was a meal ticket for me because I could lead worship, I could sing and play, and mm-hmm. and there just weren't a lot of people doing that, but that was becoming this thing. Man, I played all over for FCA, man. And so that was what I did. But now that is not, to me, it was not serious music. It was four chord choruses. It was, you know, Michael W. Smith, you know, it's just yeah. whatever. So I did it as a, not as a gig. I did it because I loved what I felt like, where I felt like it was going and mm-hmm. what I felt like it was doing. Sure. And I still to this day, I can't take away from sacred music at what the aim is. I don't like canned Nashville Christian music and I don't really like any music that's come out a lot of music comes out of Christian subculture it's not for but it seems like you can smell the ones that are authentic mm-hmm. you know what I mean there's some yeah. that matter yeah and have weight and there's some that's like yeah I've heard that before you mm-hmm. know yeah a lot of it does it kind of sounds just it's very canned very commercial and there's these few artists like I've always been a huge fan of Crowder really? oh yeah yeah like, he's, he's like, different David Crowder band like when all that was starting it's cool when I found that I was like jeez I don't. I don't know what these guys are doing, but it's just. It's so original. It's fresh, and it. And he's like singing. You know, he's a genius. You know, he's like a real genius. Like he might, like Rain Man, kind of. He's. Yeah. And they might have to lead him around, you know, at the <laughs> house, but he's genius. Yeah. Uh, like what was said to the rose, you know, to make it unfold was said to me here in my chest. So be quiet now and rest. Like, for a long time, that was so far ahead. Because I, I remember thinking, we can't sing that. Like, nobody's going to sing about a rose unfolded in their chest in church. <laughs> you know, like, but that's like some, that's, that's like some that's like 18th a, century, 17th century poetry yeah. that he exhumed it's and put in. It's a metaphor and it's a simile for what's going on inside of him. Yeah. I've never heard it put that way. <laughs> I heard him speak one time and he got these, you know, these old, uh, this old transparency yeah. There's little transparency machines. He got a transparency machine, had it up on the big screen behind him. It's at Waco. And he got out this trans, little transparency thing and, and black erase Sharpie. And for 20 minutes, dude, he talked about music and the Pythagorean theorem. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what the hell he was talking about. <laughs> no idea. How about he when is he is seven feet tall, though? 
Yeah. And cool and really nice. Dad. Brings the stuffed fox out on the stage when they play. <laughs> I don't know. You need yeah. a gimmick, I guess. I don't know. But yeah. what about when his drummer, who's a genius too, they rigged that um, Guitar Hero guitar to where right. it would play Do it. music? Yeah. Oh, man. They just have fun. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so there's there's a few good ones in there, but most of right. it is. All right. One of my favorites was, is, uh, I'll plug this because I think it's cool and worth saying, is uh, I always liked Cayman's Call. They were more, more mature Christian music a little bit. Did you ever listen to Cayman's Call? I never Call? heard of them. Well, Cayman was the first guy that kind of decided to take, you know, music and put it to, you know, words in music somehow. He, he had this calling to sort of maybe start hymns or something. I don't know what it was. It's some weird thing. But they had a more serious, it was not like, not quite like David Crowder or DC Talk or News, but, you know, there was that kind of thing that happened. But then Cayman's Call came around and it wasn't for 15 year olds. It was for like 20 something year olds. Mm-hmm. It was more like, and College so they always age, seemed career. like they had a real substance to what they were singing about. And so mm-hmm. I like that. And, and one of their songwriters, a guy named Derek Webb, went out on his own and has been out on his own for a long time now. And so he he's really one of my favorites. Really one of my favorite singers, uh, songwriters. Always covered all of his songs. And, uh, well, he's not. he kind of quit being a Christian. So it's a little strange there. That happened like last year or something. But he's playing at my house uh, next month for a house show. <laughs> So I don't know if wow. people are Derek Weapons. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Like, I decide in 2019 I'm going to start writing music. Mm-hmm. And I'm reading this book, and it's saying, well, you're going to feel like a, you know, you're going to feel weird because the universe is going to start answering you and opening up to you and start. And then sure enough, like, my favorite singer-songwriter is opened up. He's going to play at my house next month. So <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what to call that. <laughs> That's um, why. I mean, just even like we were talking about it last time we were here and just even starting this podcast. Right. We talk about how the, okay, what do you want? What are you What are you looking for in an interview? Who do you want to interview? Mm-hmm. I, and I cannot believe the people that we have been able to have. Right. We've had. Just it opens up. You just, Not in a thousand years. What you, you dream gonna, of. Yeah. You're going to sit down with James and Cody from Pony Bradshaw. Or, you know, Sam Lewis or Sarah or Soren. Mm-hmm. I mean, and even some of the people around here who are just... Oh, just think incredible. dog just threw up. Oakley, don't throw up on the carpet. Chill out, man. We just got the smell out. Oakley, we're going to have to edit this. <laughs> <laughs> you going to make a dog? Stop. Let me stand up. Come on. You all right? <laughs> all right. How old is she? She's 13. She's, yeah, she's old. Girl. Annie Oakley. She's a baby girl. Don't throw up on me, okay? Don't cheat. If you do, I won't be mad. But yeah. at this point, I forgot where we were. I don't know. Yeah, but yeah, just oh, oh and, the world, universe had opened up. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, just some of the people around here who I find just incredibly inspiring. As I'm, you know, being able to sit down and hear the story, and mm-hmm. it's it's unreal. And what it does for my own, and I'm not there yet, man. I still feel like I write garbage songs, but it inspires me to keep trying. Right, <laughs> shoot, man. I, I feel so we like, all start somewhere. I don't, you know, this is a, probably a bad way because I guess I'm supposed to be plugging my songs, but it's really hard for me to believe in uh, my songs, um, and it's hard to co- continue to believe in my songs. Like, you know what I mean? Like, a lot of people write a song and then they believe in it that night, and they wake up the next day and they're like, "Oh my god, burn it! Like, it's terrible." You know, they don't believe it anymore. Mm-hmm. You know. <laughs> Uh, but 
I tell you, I think it's a huge principle of any of us that you just can't do it alone. And we need each other's faith. Um, doesn't matter who you are. I found this to be true. We don't have enough faith in ourselves. I don't have enough. And even really strong people don't, man. They don't really have faith in themselves. You need somebody that, that has faith in you. And you have to, and we borrow each other's faith. And inevitably, I'll be down and my buddy will be up. Or my buddy will be down and I'm up, you know. Sure. And and so I've got two guys, or a couple people. But, uh, but Robert Stagger's one, Drew Dickman's one. They're great songwriters. They've been writing songs a long time. And mm-hmm. I've got some of Robert's songs here we're playing in our band. and I'd love probably just to play one because Robert's never going to do it because he's a drummer and a producer. But, uh, man, Robert's written, you know, dozens of really great songs. Yeah. And he's and he's produced a lot of people. So, And I feel like he loves me. He'll tell me the truth. So I, I filter it all through Robert. He's going to get it, you know. Yeah. So when it, if it passes a Robert test, I feel like, you know, and so we all need a couple of editors, a couple of, you know, Roberts that sort of can tell us the truth without hurting us. He's always very cool in how he'll say, I like that, I like this. You know, this could... Uh, and, and my great fear... Uh, uh, Oakley, you got to go, baby. You go ahead. Go ahead. Wait, it's my greatest fear when I started this and I told these guys this. Uh, and as I know these... Like, I, I had these friends one time and they had a band. And man... It just didn't sound good. They weren't good. Mm-hmm. Dude didn't need to be singing, bruh. It just wasn't good, man. They wrote these songs. And it. I mean, and back then, it's kind of like, you know, when you smoke dope, you think it sounds good, you know? <laughs> you just, it sounds better, but then the people that aren't smoking dope knows yeah. it didn't sound better. Yeah. You know, you thought it sounded yeah. better. You thought it was and cool. these guys would do that, man. They'd get all into it. And, and so they would, like, man, they would just put it out there and... and and everybody just be like, oh, yeah, man. Oh, yeah, man. It's just great, man. Just home run. Home run. Bad encouragement. Just home run, man. Yeah, yeah. Keep, 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 keep working on it, you know. And, like, good friends. You know, friends and family. And, mm-hmm. I, and I remember thinking, man, I just never want to be the one guy that doesn't know that his stuff is just terrible. <laughs> you know, like, please tell me the truth, but, but be good about it. You know, so I've got some guys I do that with, and I wouldn't be able to do it without them because I just don't believe in them or, or my stuff enough and that's why I'm 38 starting at writing music because every time I would do one and that's the way most people are going to do man that they're going to get an hour into the process and just give up yeah. and the difference between me now versus me at 18 or me at 15 or me at 25 so when did your songwriting start around that time no around like January uh, so well it, maybe December Okay. Early December. Okay, so you're literally just cutting I've teeth written on this? written like two or three songs here and there. Like I, we wrote a couple when I was like 17. It's just not, it, not anything serious. Nothing I would play for you today. Yeah. So I never had a couple songs that I liked over the years. Now I had like one or two songs that were terrible that very few people ever heard. So I don't, I don't really feel like I took songwriting seriously whatsoever until mm-hmm. like the last three months. Of my life, I've just always covered other people's. I've just always worked on covering other people's songs, mm-hmm. but I didn't come to believing in my voice till I was in my early twenties either. So, confidence and and believing in myself has been a hard thing for me, especially in music. You know, I think it's like one of the most rewarding thing and like just what experience I've had. Um, had a little two piece band and we would play our own music, and Levi was a way better songwriter than I was. 
and he would let me have just a small piece of the pie and let me write a little bit of the guitar. Right, right. <laughs> it's just so I could be like, yeah, I helped write it, kind of. Because mm-hmm. get like, like, he was royalty one, credit if it came yeah, in. Yeah, huh? he, he was one of those who was a really good critic. Because like, I would write, I've got a, you know, the five subject composition notebooks, man. I've got two of those four songs. Really? And they're not good. <laughs> but Some of them are. Yeah, Probably. exactly. And I, I believe in like, not exactly the thousand hour, but I do believe that if you put enough time and effort in, yeah. something good's gonna come. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so, like, he was always really good. Like, I had a song. I was just, dude, this is it. This, this is, this is the first song I've written, and it's good. Like, when I say good, it's good. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like what you were saying. He's like, lay off the high sheesh, brother. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that good. You, you didn't yeah. chill out. <laughs> He's like, this, 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 this. I don't like. Right. And I was like, well, what do you like? And he's like, this. And I was like, cool, I got something to work off of. Right. But it was always real good critique. And, yeah. And it was through, like, sitting down with him and being able to see the songwriter process. And yeah, it, right. It helps a lot. Because it's kind of hard to sit down with, like, I'm going to write a song. Okay, where do I start? Because to me, the first line is one of the most important lines. That's what's going to grab somebody. Mm-hmm. And so I want the first line to be something to be like, what? Mm-hmm. Or something. Okay, I relate to that or something. And like the start of it is always the hardest. Yeah. Oh, getting going started is also really hard. Yeah. Uh, to a couple of things also helped me. I think this time around, I, I used to think, and I think a lot of people do. And I'm sure a lot of people say this on the show because they write songs and I've written a lot more songs than I have. But you know, you kind of just dream. You just close your eyes and you hear that you have this song that somebody's written. You know, these all these covers that we cover. We're covering songs because you like them. And that's okay, mm-hmm. you know. Amateur, the, the Latin for amateur just means to love. And so you just, you're you just covering songs. You love those songs. And I don't know, most people, are, if you're like me, you, there's about a million songs you wish you'd written. You're like, I just wish I, this is such like my song. Yeah. Like, why did I write this? Yeah. Why didn't I think of this? And uh, I just always imagine these people, and they're like, you know, by candlelight. And like ink, you know, like feather and ink, they're like just right. It's just coming beautifully on the page, mm-hmm. and it's just perfect, and it's this perfect song. And like within five or ten minutes, they take the whole thing, mm-hmm. and they just send it to their, you know, producer, whoever, and then they make a million dollars by the end of the right quarter or something. And and I just thought always that it had to be that way. That these people are really inspired, and that they're just always getting these beautiful eureka moments, and they just put it all on paper real quick. These strokes of genius and. It's just not that way, and and I think that's the difference now. As I know, that that you just have to do the real work, and that real work is real work, and there's and it's just not that romantic. You know, every maybe once in a while a song comes that way, but it's usually almost never comes that way. The book that really helped me on it was actually Stephen King's On Writing, and I like to write. Um, yeah. Have you read that book? No, but you brought it up last time, and uh, oh, I was I've been meaning to grab a copy. Dude, it's a great book. Uh, he's just, if you like, I don't love horror, but now he's a good writer. We have to give him credit. He's got sixty something novels yeah. and The Green Mile or whatever. Shawshank. A lot of movies been made. It or great. And I liked it this last time around. Yeah. I was like, hmm. Uh, but he's funny. It's a lot of biographical information, so you get a little into into his life as to how he came up with Carrie and all this stuff but then you also realize man nobody did him any favors he wrote Carrie in a when they lived in a trailer on a typewriter mm-hmm. a page one page at a time typewriter mm-hmm. uh, in his laundry room 
after work or something. It was like not romantic, you know. Like, yeah. How did, and he just really talks about the methodical process of writers. You come in, you do 2,000, he does 2,000 words every day, 2,000 words. It doesn't matter if it's Christmas, 2,000 words. He's going to get his 2,000 words in and then he's going to do whatever. Mm-hmm. And, um, and he doesn't work on one project at a time. He only spends three or four months. He thinks like it goes stale after that. So three or four months, the project needs to be done. And it gets roughly 150,000 words, whatever it is. Then he puts it away for six months. Mm-hmm. Then he picks it back up. And then he edits it once. And then like 20 other people edit it wow. before it gets to the next editor. Yeah. He makes it into a book a year or two from then. Right. So, it just helped. He gives a lot of the nuts and bolts of the creative process. And and I love this. He says, he says, look, words are like our hammer and nail in our woods. Mm-hmm. He's like, you take your wood. If you're a carpenter, you get hammer and nails and wood. You go in and you can make something. You can make a table. You can make a chair. He said, you put enough stuff in front of the other, you can build a house or a hotel if you want mm-hmm. to. It doesn't matter. You can build what you want to build, but you have to go in and build every day. Yeah. And that's how you really get there. And I, I, I love that. So that was a real inspiring thing for me. So to, the methodical thing. And then another book by Julie Cameron. It's a famous book called The Artist Way. Okay. It's pretty inspiring. I've heard of that one. You I heard of that? I have not read it. I recommend it. I'll buy it for you if you want to. I'll buy them for people because it'll, it'll change your life. That book will. Pick it up. I'll take you up on that. I'll change your life. So I need all the help I need. All, all the help I can get. She's the one that, that says that you'll... She she talks about the creative process of you know you're not you're not getting you're not conjuring things up you're getting things you're pulling things down from the sky like you're it's it's like this process where you basically mm-hmm. just listen and she's good for getting people unstuck she says she likes to do these things called the morning pages where you write three space long hand uh, stream of conscious anything that comes to mind just whatever. And since there's no rules, your left brain, your your critical side, can't criticize it because there's no rules. Yeah. And it switches you into that right brain, which is that non-thinking sort of, you know. It's free. And that's where all of the stuff is. You know? Yeah. And but, but that's what we're fighting against is that left brain, right brain conversation. While we're on this topic, and I know like me and you are both like very fresh to the songwriting experience, but I mean just in personal writing and journaling, I've done that almost all my life but um, talking to Sarah she started writing wrote her first song at nine years old and to talk about the songwriting experience it's off by heart you know mm-hmm. it's it came from the heart right and so like when I'm writing I don't know sometimes it feels like I'm, I'm pulling or drawing from other people yeah sure but like sometimes it feels like the heart is no place to be singing from at all if that makes sense I agree with that. Um, yeah, I think. And so I like. You think? Do you think there's a? I guess here's a question. Do you think that um, it's it's both, or do you think? Well, that's easier. To, yeah, answer it that way. <laughs> like, I guess everybody's different. It it was interesting for me to hear. Well, if you listen to great songwriter people, lyricists, writers, and everything, they're really good ones. Man, they turn that song over every way you can. Every word is on purpose. A or not A. I mean, like, we're going to say the or the, like the phrasing, the sound of the words. I mean, they come over that song yeah. so much that it's a, hit, it's a hit song by the time it's supposed to be a hit song. You know, like, and so there's just so much, like, people that are probably in Nashville, that stuff, they know that a lot of that machine works that way. To me, there's a, I'll spin in you a little bit because, like Jeff Tweedy, 
You know, like Jeff Tweedy, okay. Okay. Um, but like the abstract, like now it's really cool to have really abstract lyrics, right? Like Jeff Tweedy stuff doesn't really make sense. It's yeah. like abstract. Like it's yeah. just kind of like John Lennon, you know, tearing away at uh, I Am the Eggman, you know, all that stuff. But I can't, if I write something that's random and abstract, it don't mean anything to me. I can't be proud of some random stuff that I made, you know, like it, it, I don't know if Jeff is or not. Like you have to, things have to get removed from you a few times or something to feel good about that. I, if I wrote some random abstract song, it would only be after like 10 of my friends said it was really cool because it meant so much weird stuff to them. And I would have to say, well, I don't know what it means, Yeah. but I'm glad you like it. I guess since you see the value, I'll take the value in it, but it's not an honest song. So to me, I get what she's saying because it needs to come from the heart because you can't sing it if it's just some bullshit. Yeah, it won't and, mean anything to you. Yeah, and that's it'll, why it'll covers, be hard to project that, right? That's why cover songs. I actually like covering songs, man, because I, I am so much more connected to what I feel like could be what they were doing or saying. There's like enough of a separation for, from them and me that I feel like it's you know it's more. I can feel it better, and and so I think that's the trouble with some of these songs for me is I am still trying to decide do I believe them or have I just finished a phrase to get a filler phrase, you know to get a filler line or made some rhymes work you know right but uh, so yeah uh, I don't know I don't know if that answers it good because I don't I don't know if I can answer that question really well I think you just have to do what you do but they're a mixture man it's a it all starts getting you something on paper and then you're looking at a bunch of stuff, and you change one word, you got to rethink the whole like thirty things, and so mm-hmm. you can't really just get it. I mean, yeah, it either comes out real quick, smooth, quick and perfect in five minutes, or it doesn't because you have to move little pieces and parts around. And and it's like they say, you know, it's never a painting's never really done. It's just good stopping places. And really, you know, you could always probably write a better song, probably always comb it down a little bit finer, but about a stopping place probably the hard part is to, to find a stopping place and say you yeah. know I think this song's there I'm satisfied with this much of it yeah let me walk away from it for a minute I like Sora in that interview that you guys did she said you know if, if you don't she was just saying how sometimes they run out and she's like and then you've wasted those chords on that and it didn't really pan out because it didn't finish or it didn't yeah, fit yeah that was interesting to me because she yeah. went on to say it's like I don't have a problem sitting on a song for a while now right I, I, I can sit on those chords for months mm-hmm it just needs to be the right thing. Mm-hmm. I want to make sure right. I say the right. Yeah, I want to yeah. make sure I say the right thing. Right. Don't waste the chords, and I, I think that's cool. Um, yeah. So I'm willing to keep some stuff, but I don't want to put it out there if it's not quite there. And and I'm indecisive. And again, that's why my friends help me, man. That's why my friends help me. <laughs> help me so much. So you know, probably by the time all my songs are done, and if I ever do go through a publishing company and get them copied, then that I'll never make any money because it would all go to friends like five of me and my friends and family you know <laughs> sorry I'm not trying to make money you're just doing because you enjoy it, it. Hurt. that is a different thing too there is something about me now I'm doing this for me so I don't really give a damn about uh, success in the way that I think I did because it's already there. I, an, a, I feel like for years I was stuck because mm-hmm. I wasn't. 
covering songs. I mean, that's just, there's just so much that that takes you to. And I can cover some songs if I want to. I can play music on stage with people if I want to. I can improvise in the key of G if we we need to. You know that. Yeah. But I felt like, and the story was in New Year's Eve this year. I was listening to a buddy of mine's band down in Laurel, and I just had this epiphany. I was like, if I don't do this, I'm gonna regret it for the rest of my. I'm never gonna end up doing. It. I'm gonna regret it for the rest of my life, and it'll be one of the greatest regrets. And uh, I just made that decision that I would. But uh, I think that for years, there's been anger and resentment and sort of just, I could do that if I wanted to. You know, like being a little bit mad at everybody I saw that was doing it. A little jealous. Yeah, because, and that's a good thing because that's trying to tell you something. Right. But now that I am just doing it now that I have married myself to a little bit of a process I've sort of brought some accountability and I've got a band that we're getting up off the ground and rehearsing for put myself out there on Instagram and Facebook and all that stuff which is terrifying to me too my friend Ryan you know Munson helps me with that stuff because I just don't like to put myself out there it's been really great because I don't have to do anything else now I am doing what I feel like I was always supposed to be doing so that's game over a little bit. Like the work's going to keep happening. Like if our band crashed tomorrow, well, I'm still going to keep writing music. Like I'm I'm committed to the process now. Like I've committed. I feel like I'm at home mm-hmm. and calling myself a songwriter. And I don't know if I'd have called myself a songwriter very long ago because I would have felt like that, that was such a lofty term. It's reserved for I feel like an imposter. Yeah, to be coming in and calling myself a songwriter or to be singing these songs like anybody ought to listen and. Yeah. You can't look at the likes and the views on the on the stuff because we all know we're just like sort of just prostituting out our our you know <laughs> our pages for like if you like me I like you you know it's like yeah that's the way it kind of goes especially it, at first it kind of does but you know some people got ten thousand likes and followers and, and they don't sound that good I'm sorry I love y'all out there whoever you are but <laughs> I'm just getting that I I think. I am successful now because I am doing what I feel like I need to. And I have this huge sense of gratitude. Like, I'm so gratified, man. Like, I'm so... It's just brought me to this real content place. Mm -hmm. And so, regardless of the outcome, and isn't that free? When you don't have to be attached to any outcome? If if I sell a million records, I'll be happy about it. If I sell no records, be all right because... You did it for you. It did it for me. Yeah. And I'm saying what I need to say... I have an outlet like I need to have. You have the outlet. You're getting what you want said out. And and you know I might have. And you getting getting out of that uh getting rid of that resentment. It's gone. I I might have a thousand songs and they're all uh not that good. But now at the same time, fishing in the ocean now. And I got a little bait on my hook. I might catch a whale. You never know. Like little kids every day throw the poles in the water and suddenly they get a big fish. Like so, the possibility, the realm of possibility, is really exciting. And as Chris Christopherson said, and as you were talking about earlier, you have, you write ten songs, there's a chance that zero of them are good. You write a thousand, there's a chance that a few of them are good, five or ten. Yeah. So I plan on writing a thousand and hoping for the ten. You know? Yeah. Uh, there's there's an lots, album. lots left on the cutting room floor, and everybody yeah. knows that about music. Right. So, anyway. Why, well, hey, man? Let's take a let's take a little break, man. Let's play a little music. What do you got for yeah. us? Yeah. Uh, this song I wrote. Uh, after my brother, man, my brother moved out west a long time ago, and he ain't coming back. <laughs> so he comes and visits, you know. Yeah. So uh, this song is called Oregon. Mm-hmm. 
the road, you got a long way to go to get back to Oregon. Well, I know you got a plan to get you there and back again. What lies ahead is better left unsaid. And I know you're gonna make your way and be just fine. You always take so long making up your mind. Pick up the phone or you make your money. Said a couple in November, December. Uh, but yeah, he left for Oregon not too long ago. I don't know when I'll see him again. 
But that's all right. That was for you, brother. You listening out there? There you go. We, uh, do, we do have a few followers there in Oregon. Do you? Do we? Oh man, we. Yeah, I'm with you, man. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that. That is an honest song. That, that there's there's one that I feel like I've got a lot of me in, and uh, some more than others. But that's that's one I feel like I've got a lot of me in. And uh, you know, sometimes you go to the apple tree to pick you some apples. And then you get oranges. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like sometimes, well, in the creative process, I think that's sure. You, you just don't know what it's going to be. You don't and know what's going to come out. Sometimes you see it, the vision's there, it's, it's there, it stays right in the lines like it's supposed to. And then, but a lot of times, man, it's you start with this and it become it ends up being that. Sure. And I don't know to be okay with the that's the ones that are something else other than what they started is probably a process. But I think I was kind of reflecting earlier today, just in preparation for this, I do think my goal, like a beautiful goal for me, would be that somehow art that I give birth to grows up and takes, and it meets me one day, and it's wearing different clothes, you know. It's, it's somebody else is <laughs> singing it, or, 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 you know what I mean? That yeah. somebody, that it's found its own voice, its own thing. I mean, I read a book about Hallelujah, you know, Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah, and how they didn't even want to release that record because the company, the record company didn't like it. Okay. And then they did release it and it flopped, you know. And mm-hmm. then 10 years later or something's forgotten about and Buckley picks it up and then it, his record flops and then he dies and then it gets famous all of a sudden. Yeah. And then it, and now it's considered like one of the greatest songs ever written. Yeah. And Leonard Cohen's like, I think it took him years to write it. I heard there it, was a secret chord. Yeah, it's this haunting thing, man, but so much but it it became its own thing that he can't even really say what it is. It took on such its own thing and man, what a great place if you can ever get to to create giving birth, like I say, uh to something that that makes its own way and its own mark. Like, man, that's a win for a for a songwriter, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about this for a little bit. Influence, man. So, when you took off this year and started the songwriting process, what were some of the big influences, like behind some of the cats that you grew up listening to, or mm-hmm. some of the people today that uh, you kind of take a, a lot of influence from? So, such a good question, and I'll never get the end because, like, I was seven on the Enneagram. So, like, man, I just want to like have thousands of interests all the time. Like I mentioned Derek Webb earlier, Derek Webb's just important for me. I like the way he sings. And he always, he doesn't waste any words. All his words are on purpose. Freaking so on purpose, man. And uh, I always loved how sometimes he would, he would write lyrics. And I'll sing one of maybe he wouldn't care, I don't know. But uh, surely there's no copyright worries. But uh, man, he just wouldn't waste any lines. So I really love Derek Webb and the way that he could just make, um, his songs just just punch you and mm-hmm. uh but see I have to pull it all apart and parse it different ways because I was a guitar player an electric guitar player so I'm all into that kind of stuff and I like jam band stuff for a long time I like Christian stuff I mean I don't really like rap but you know but I like bone thugs and harmony it's just <laughs> weird so I can't really but uh Derek Webb's a big influence of mine let's see um 
shoot, I'd just have to start looking at lists. You know what I mean? I love the Allman Brothers. I went to all their concerts and learned all this stuff a long time ago. I like Trey Anastasio. I learned all this stuff from Fish. I wanted to sound like him playing electric guitar. Yeah. Uh, Stevie Ray, you know, I learned all Stevie Ray once upon a time. I like Derek and the Dominoes. I was big into Derek and the Dominoes for some reason. And Layla back in the day. Sure. Uh, shoot. Uh, then these days, you know, I don't know, man. I just have to look at lists of things. I couldn't tell you what I, <laughs> I hear you. what I, what I, but certainly Derek Webb is one. And, and, uh, I like Wilco and Jeff Tweedy. I like how they, they'll take songs of Tweedy's. Uh, and they'll just they'll just they'll just deconstruct and reconstruct them over sure. and over again. I think that's pretty cool. I've gotten into a little bit of radio head stuff here and there, but I like Ryan Adams and all that stuff, which I hope is still okay to say. And uh, and Whiskey Town, all that kind of stuff is cool to me. Our band is going to really try for a Whiskey Town sound because we've got really good guitar player, a lot of slide and cool stuff they'll do. But we've also got this really young girl. That's a great uh, singer and uh, violin. Wow. So a little fiddle. So we're going to have that going. Uh, I like Nickel Creek. Once upon a time, they were really cool. They just had a cool thing that they did. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. It's just, it's just a hard thing. To... Yeah. Pin down, right? Yeah. A lot of different influences on top of what you're reading. Yeah. The, my reading has been the best thing. Uh, Matthew Fox's Creativity is a real inspirational book. And then... Uh, like I said, Julia Cameron's uh, The Artist's Way is very inspiring. Like, every time I need a shot in the arm, I'll go read a chapter of Julia Cameron. I feel like she makes me feel good about the world again. Mm-hmm. I keep going. <laughs> I um, hear you. You know, and uh, so she's really good. Another book that really had a huge effect on me was Drawing from the Right Side of the Brain, and I couldn't tell you who wrote that book. But I was deciding about learning how to draw, and it was interesting because... Her Are you thief, right or left-handed, by Left-handed. Way? You were left? Okay, I am too. Yeah, uh, but I play guitar right-handed. It's weird. Yeah, me too. up. Same thing. What are we going to do? So, this lady, uh, what was interesting about her book is she's just saying everybody can learn how to draw. So, anybody can learn how to draw. I'm going to teach you how to draw. I just wanted to learn. It'd be cool to be on a napkin or something. Just be able to draw somebody. I mean, it's impressive when people do that. Yes, you know, I'm like, is. Yeah. oil painting, that's a little too far away. But if I could just learn a pencil draw, I'd be pretty into it. And, She's like, you can do that. Like in a month's time, it's not hard. And she said that the, the what people need to realize though is that you, it's not the drawing. You can put the pencil on the paper. It's mm-hmm. you have to learn a new way of seeing. And artists look very specifically at what they're seeing, and they detail that on that two-dimensional page. So, um, and her whole discussion in there is about getting to the right side of the brain. And that right side of the brain, I always heard people talking about that, but she explains it so well because the right side of the brain is the not analytical side. The, the not, it's, it's, the, it's the thinking without thinking side. The way that you drove down here today and probably didn't, did I go through Aberdeen yet or not? I don't remember, yeah. you know. Right. Your right brain is, you know, doing a lot of that for you. Yeah, sure. So that got me really interested in how do I make the switch and how do I get into these places where I'm feeling things and I'm getting to these type of way that I can sort of channel like these creatives talk about where you sort of channel and you start getting stuff down on page so that book really actually helped me because it 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 helped me see how you make that switch how if you just spend a little time you can get into that right brain sort of mode of thinking and seeing so for wow. some reason that was an influential great that's a great plug man yeah 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 I know just anytime like I mean you just 
it's amazing how many left-handed people I'm coming across now. Thank the Lord. Really? Yeah. In a world surrounded by right-handers. We're better. <laughs> All the way. So, yeah. Uh, influence. Yeah, it's hard. Hard to, hard to do. I was influenced a little bit by this trip I had down to Laurel. My friends got a band called Midnight Rebel. They're a good band. Hattiesburg based. They're a jam band. They sound a lot like widespread punk, which is cool. That is cool. They sound a hell of a lot like widespread. I mean, and got a good record, man. I'll let you hear it when you listen to it. Sure. But uh, I went down and Dell's, they were doing an album release. He said, come down. You sit in if you want to. I got down to this thing. I hope these people never listen. But, uh... <laughs> The sound guy, man, was being such a jerk. And he wouldn't give them a microphone to mic my amp. I have a little four-watt Princeton, like 56 Princeton, so it's not going to get over the drums, you no. know? And I'm like, what? Like, the bar owner slash sound guy is, like, telling him what he's going to do and not do for them sound-wise. And I'm like, you're like the sound guy. Like, you don't do that. Yeah. And it's pissed me off, you know? I'm like, I'll get sideways about that. And I'm like, ah. And that's the night I had the epiphany about I need to do this, you know. These guys are doing original music. I'm excited for them, but so envious. I feel like I should be doing it too. Mm. And uh, there's nothing about them. It, it, it was a good thing. It was a good, positive. Uh, but that guy taught me a great lesson too that night. And I've actually kept this bumper sticker because the beer is terrible. It's one of the worst places I've ever tried to drink. Um, and he's a jerk, so Makes it don't go harder. there. I wouldn't go there again. Uh, but he taught me something really great, man, which is nobody's going to give it to you. Nobody's going to do it for you. Nobody's going to give you anything. It's not going to happen. Yeah, unless you're and, a trust fund baby. And, man, we all want to be that, yeah. but we probably really don't. Because, man, we need to. There's something about the original uh, and just working your way there and paying your dues, man. And, and, and it means more. Means The means to the Yeah. You got to. It means a lot more. <laughs> Yeah, man. It means a lot more. <laughs> and it's going to serve you better in the long haul. Because you you actually got the, you know, the guts Absolutely. to do it. I know, just, just where I am now, man. 28 and looking back, especially young 20s living down in Mobile. And there were times where couldn't eat, didn't have the money or, mm-hmm. you know, couldn't even have toilet paper. You know, couldn't, that, that ain't on the menu. This, I, I needed more hours. I didn't get the hours I needed. And I, I remember those times, man. And I remember looking back now, and I was like, "Glad it happened. Made you better. Because it ma- it meant so much. And not the time it sucked. God, yeah. You don't want to wanted, wanted, wanted to call home and call it quits. Mm-hmm. Can I come home? This sucks. But I had to go through it. Yeah. Yeah. And it shows you what you can do. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's With true. A little ingenuity. Yeah. I think that's what God is doing. You know, a lot of people wonder and about how weird and terrible and strange and what kind of trick joke is God playing on us with this life and that's the great question is why does God allow such bad if he's so good and and there's always a great follow up which is how could there be so much good in the world if there's you know but the other thing uh, for me is I think he wants us to be strong and you know I can do it for my little girl every time and she ain't that good no smarter no stronger Absolutely. You got to learn how to do it yourself. Absolutely. And he wants us to be strong. And so do do we really value when 
babies can't grow up and, and, and 20 year olds can't do things that they should have learned when they were 12. Like, that's not cool, man. You've got to grow up. So on one level, we, we appreciate it. <laughs> but then it's like, well, God should be easier on us. And man, we've got everything we need, really. Our bodies generally do what we want them to do. I mean, we could, could be a lot worse. Most of Way us are okay. Worse. Yeah. We can, I've got pretty smart supercomputers we're walking around with that, that is smarter than like the greatest computer on earth. I mean, God, and you know, I, I we miscarried once, and uh, my good close friend Robbie Godwin, his doctor, he said, you know, if you really want to think about it, <clears throat> God aborts more babies, and he's just helping us talk about it. But he's like, millions of things have to go right for a baby to be born. He's yes. like, if, medically speaking, he's like, people don't realize that stuff, and tons How of times easy it goes is it back for that cord to get tied around the neck. Millions of things could because go wrong. They're rolling and flipping around in there. They're having a time, and it happens. Absolutely, it does. And it happens a lot. And if so, you could call that really cruel. I mean, but we made it, and and why? And we can't. We don't know all of it, but but I do think that uh, shoot, man, we're we're miracles. We're walking around, and we got our hand out for more. Like we got some bad deal, and shoot, ever even the chance to ever get to walk this blue earth, man, is. You can carry around a little gratitude like that, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Just we ever even had the freaking chance to live, it uh, seems to open up a, a lot of stuff again. But yeah, God is into process. I think He's more interested in the means than the end. Almost. That's like, what I'm finding as I get older. I believe personally, and right. just even in my own prayer life, do I ever feel like it's where it should be? But no. But I'm comfortable with where it is because in the morning, right when my feet hit the floor. I appreciate that, God, because yeah. uh, I could have woke up and been paralyzed. Mm-hmm. I could have woke up and not been able to see or hear anything. I could have not even woke up. It just could have been it. Right. Which would be fine, because like the time I'm given, dude, I've lived. Right. You know, I've, I've, I've had a really full life, and I mm-hmm. think that I'm really just now getting to the, the greatest parts of it, and I hope I can always say that, that I'm right. always coming into what's... What's what's coming next? I can't wait. Right. And there's always a sense of expectancy, but I, I believe what you're saying is is true. Is God is about a process, mm-hmm. and so all these things that happen, better or worse, and as ugly as it is, mm-hmm. it's ultimately going to be worth it if you'll just see it through. Stick with and don't play blame game. Right. My God. I mean, it's so easy to point the finger at God and be like, "Why did? Come on, you're you're good. You're loving. This ain't love." Well, actually, it may be. Right. Tough love. <laughs> Real tough. We don't know what love is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing is about love, man. We don't know what's in our own hearts. You know, we, we really, yeah. I think process and, and versus product is, is a real important thing. It sounds like motivational speaking, but it really is true. He, he, he is into pro, uh, process and teaching us things along the way. And... You know that it makes us it makes us strong. It makes us better, um, and it makes us appreciate things. Well, right, man, like let's uh, let's walk this thing on out toward the door. So, just for the listeners out there, what are some ways and avenues they can connect with you, social media wise, or maybe they're in the Columbus area? Yeah. Is there is there any um, dates down the line that places or? Well, me, uh, well myself, my I got. I've got a band that we've been rehearsing for about a month. 
And I expect in another month or so we'll start playing, but we don't even have a name. So, uh, uh, but that's going to happen. I, I just started Bo Jeffries Music on Instagram, bojeffries.com, which is really just a blogger site. But on that blogger site, if you'd follow it, I'm, I'm planning on putting uh, some videos and songs over mm-hmm. time. Uh, and we'll cut some music, I think, eventually in our band. But uh, I'm also taking using that blog opportunity to just tell my story of of getting into writing music uh, this late in life and why and what I'm hoping to do and so I'm I'm trying to just tell the story uh, as just to chronicle the story and hope that people maybe be inspired to do the same yeah that uh, that you know it's never too late and to do what you want to do and then I've also I've also loved to write and and like to to write and so uh, I plan on continuing that blog I appreciate Ryan pushing me to just sort of make me do stuff I, he knows I should do and right, right when I saw it I was behind it man <laughs> thanks man yeah, yeah. Uh, and I need to post I'm planning on posting about once a week but Instagram oh Jeffrey's music and that uh, if you want to go hear uh, Derek Webb next um, month at my house in Tupelo I live in Tupelo he's going to be you can go to DerekWebb.com and get tickets to that they're $15 and only seats for about 20 or 30 left but that's a big house show that'll happen then uh, set date one more time that's uh april the 11th now oh uh i am going to open up uh for my buddies the, the midnight rebel they're playing at the blue canoe in tupelo on the f- fifth or sixth a great venue yeah, it's like it's like two hundred yards from my house, so it's, that helps. <laughs> but I'm gonna open up for them and play some of my stuff that night, so uh, that'll be pretty cool. We just talked about that the other day. So, hey, you know, I'll play anywhere if people will pay me and listen to me <laughs> and feed me yeah. uh, uh, pints of of coffee. And uh, absolutely. Yeah. So that's that's where I'm at, and I just appreciate it, man. I appreciate the opportunity. Uh, it's just an honor to. Again, live, breathe, create, share. That's what it's about, right? Be interested in or interesting to anybody. It's just exciting, so really appreciate it. Man, you want to share another song? Yeah, I hope I can get through one. Let me see if I can uh, do this song here. This is a pretty new song. This is my newest song. Great. So uh, we'll go. We'll go with this one. Let's see how it goes. I'm still kind of in tune. Put my finger on a reason I'm so out of control Can't ever seem to get out of the moment These days I've got My days and nights mixed up I'm not quiet myself Well I don't want to feel this way Thoughts that I cannot explain 
Talk guys, you can find Bo on Instagram, Facebook, BoJeffers.com. Check him out. Cheers. Till next time. Peace out. Peace. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the Fileo fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.